Rachel, I have to tell you, we have really come a long way since trying to write a letter to get insurance approval just to get a simple manual breast pump, which is what I had to do day in and day out years and years back. I am so excited to speak to Andrea Ippolito of Simply Fed, who's going to tell us what type of uh, futuristic progress she has made. We have the honor, Alyssa, of speaking to so many amazing, interesting, dynamic, creative, thoughtful people. And I'm just so excited for listeners to hear from Andrea because she brings passion and experience and humanity and humility and generosity. And whether you've done this before or you've never done it, she doesn't sit and say, I did this, look at me. She says, let me tell you how I did it. And it's so important for other entrepreneurs. And it's also important to put what she's doing, which is helping people feed their babies better, whether that means breastfeeding, um, whether it means formula, whether it means a combination. Telling people, women so often hear, you know, you're doing it wrong. And Andrea starts a conversation with, it's all right and we just want to help you. So I think people will really be taken by her really contagious enthusiasm. Welcome to the Business of the V. Hello, friends and colleagues. I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck. And I'm Rachel Braunschirl. Each week, we bring you the most fascinating investors, inventors, entrepreneurs, academics, and healthcare practitioners who are making things happen in women's sexual and reproductive health. If you are a woman, know a woman, have a business, or care about your V health and wellness, fasten your seatbelts and listen in to another informative and inspiring episode. We are so happy to have our guest today, Andrea Ippolito, who's the founder and CEO of SimpliFed, which is a very unique approach to breastfeeding and motherhood. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Tell us a little bit about the genesis of the company, where the idea came from, and what actually it does and offers. Yeah, so my background is I'm a biomedical engineer, I used to work in medical devices for several years. Um, then I went to grad school at MIT, where my research was for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Um, and this was back in 2010, surrounding how to implement and scale telebehavioral health systems of care for service members faced with post-traumatic stress. So all about how do you design telehealth systems to improve provider capacity, but improve access to care for underserved populations. And so that's my background. And that was before, you know, the heyday of telehealth. And after that experience, got addicted to health technology and digital health. And so co-founded my, uh, my first company called Smart Scheduling, which predicted no-shows to medical practices. Uh, after uh, several years, that was acquired by the health IT company, Athena Health. And then I went to the federal government where I was a presidential innovation fellow based at the White House Office of Science and Tech Policy, where my appointment was at Department of Veterans Affairs, which... Not a lot of people realize it's the largest healthcare system in the country, and so did a lot with improving access to care. And fast forward to the tail of that, I was pregnant with my first daughter, and my um, my partner, who's who was a physician, um, and and I, we decided to move to Ithaca, New York, where I joined the faculty at Cornell at the time. Had our daughter, and I experienced personally how hard baby feeding was. And I had a few main observations. 
One is that most parents do both. Most parents both breastfeed and use formula. But the way our system is set up is that those are treated as two separate things, uh, breastfeeding versus formula. And the reality is, is most parents do both. 85% of women start off breastfeeding and most at some point transition to formula. The stat, though, that I uncovered in our customer discovery process is that of those 85%, 60% wanted to breastfeed for longer, but cited lack of access to support. And that's particularly frustrating. This was the second big observation that we made is that under the Affordable Care Act, breastfeeding support starting during pregnancy is supposed to be fully covered by commercial and Medicaid plans at no cost to families. But yet the vast majority of health plans are in compliance with that federal law. And it's not that they didn't want to be, it's just they didn't even realize they needed, needed to be in compliance with this. And so taking all that and, and just my background in navigating bureaucracy from the federal government, but also on improving access to care via telehealth systems, um, designed an experience with our incredible team of providers, and, and we call them the backstage team, uh, the, the core team that's supporting our providers on the front lines. We designed Simply Fed, which is really trying to democratize access to inclusive baby feeding support services, whether you're breastfeeding, formula feeding, combo feeding, pumping. And our goal is to get network or form contracts with health plans to start working with families during pregnancy to improve their access to baby feeding and breastfeeding support. And our model is 100% virtual. And, and the idea is that when you're postpartum, you just don't want to be leaving your house, um, even outside of COVID times. And so we're trying to improve access to care to services that are so needed to solve this huge, huge pain point. Wow. Wow. That is a lot to take in and amazing. Um, you know, I just wanted to ask about the virtual process here because you know, again, having done obstetrics for a, a long, long period of time, and, you know, I went through the drive-by delivery phase uh, with my patients where they were in and out literally within 24 hours. So telehealth would have been incredibly helpful to help, uh, you know, manage uh, nursing and lactation. So what I learned is that so many women seem to need that hands-on, this is the way you place your breast, this is the type of pillow hold you should use, et cetera. I'm just giving little examples. Even with formula feeding, but specifically with nursing, how does your platform manage that? Yeah, absolutely. So first off, we're, we're not trying to replace in-person care delivery, that elbow-to-elbow -elbow support. Um, the way we see ourselves is we are complementing that and improving access to care. So we are that ongoing support in between in-person appointments. But a couple of things. So one thing that we've learned along the way is that when you're having that elbow, to elbow support, which is vital, um, often that lactation consultant or provider is is coming and putting the baby at the breast. And they're you know, saying, raise your arm this way or to your point, take that. And they're coming in and placing the baby for you. And that's fantastic. However, you're not building that muscle memory. So when it's 2 a.m., every <laughs> compensation, you are like, what did that position look like? And you're delirious and you're tired. And so that's where we see ourselves fitting in is that you get that in-person support. Maybe someone goes through it with you another time. And then by having the virtual support, that provider can then do that same thing, but say, show me where you're going to be baby feeding at 2 a.m. Show me where you're going to be baby feeding most of the time and breastfeeding. Let's go to that couch. Okay, see that pillow? Put it under there. Actually, that's not going to work. Can you go to that side of the couch? See that stool over there? Put that underneath your legs. And really working with them in their home setting 
to design what breastfeeding and baby feeding can look like to them, designed for them in their own home setting. So that's one thing. Secondly is, you know, I live in a pretty rural area. I live in a pretty rural that area that happens to have a high density of lactation consultants because it's Ithaca, York, which for those that don't know, it's a pretty, um, let's say, hippie place, um, but <laughs> um, to say the least. But, but a lot of folks don't have access to lactation consultants. And as we're contracting with health plans, we commonly hear things like, there's one lactation consultant in network for 350,000 members. Now, let's talk about all, we, we won't talk about all the things uh, that are, there are issues with that. But the reality is, is that a lot of people that live in rural areas or not even rural areas don't have access to lactation consultants that you commonly see in more urban areas. And by the way, we serve a lot of people in urban areas too, because the key with what we're doing is we're improving access. And we think of breastfeeding support a lot like mental health care delivery and physical therapy, that you don't just have one employment. You're like, I've got it figured out. <laughs> but now, but what we do is really improve access to this ongoing longitudinal support, um, which is complementary to what's happening in person. Where are you in the development of the company? How many users do you have who are interested in understanding more about how the money flows, what the business model is? Yeah. So what's really exciting about us, and so we closed our $6 million seed round in May. And the same week that we closed our round, we went live with our first health plan contract, which is TRICARE East and TRICARE West. And don't recommend that, by the way, uh, brother. <laughs> Not the way to do it. But nonetheless, we were super happy to close our first health plan contracts. And uh, for those that don't know, TRICARE serves uh, military families across the U.S. So we have the ability to serve 140,000 pregnant and postpartum military families across the U.S. And about a month and a half after that, we went live with all Colorado Medicaid beneficiaries. So uh, we are about to announce um, imminently uh, um, a couple national commercial contracts. And we're also going to be going live in a couple states with additional Medicaid contracts. So what's really unique about our model is that we form contracts with commercial Medicaid and TRICARE health plans. And you heard my background in military health and at the Department of Veterans Affairs. So going live with TRICARE was particularly powerful for me just because there's no better uh, patient population to serve than military families and veterans. Um, but we serve uh, military families right now. Um, and getting to serve Medicaid beneficiaries, which are traditionally underserved, traditionally digital health startups, um, it are often ignore that population. And which is very frustrating for a thousand reasons. And what's really interesting as well is that not a lot of people realize is that um, Medicaid beneficiaries are close to half of all births in the U.S. So it's vital. It's absolutely vital that we democratize access to care um, for beneficiaries of all uh, of all pregnant and postpartum families, but in particularly those that are underserved. Um, and that's been such an important mission with us with Simply Fed. How do you support those who choose to or have to, for various reasons, formula feed? How does your company support that? Yeah, so our providers are internationally board certified lactation consultants, some of uh, which are also nurse practitioners and other uh, clinical credentials. And not a lot of people realize that these providers are baby feeding experts, you know, at the core, whether that's breastfeeding or pumping or formula feeding. And as part of lactation consultant scope of practice, um, safe and um, use of formula in preparation of formula is part of that. 
And so it's really important that people know that whether you're combo feeding, formula feeding, that you also have an expert that can help support you um, inclusively. And that's something that we work with providers. And our posture is that for those that want to breastfeed, improving access to care, we can help support them in their journey to help improve breastfeeding rates. And for those that can't breastfeed, don't want to breastfeed, are over breastfeeding, um, we can help support them as well with getting expert advice. Uh, we believe there's no bigger pain point uh, out there than feeding your baby after you've had a baby. And a lot of people would say sleep, but we would argue that the reason you're not sleeping is because they're waking up to pizza. Yeah, and so uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I would imagine you had a huge spike in business with the baby formula debacle that was going on for a while. I don't even know if it's still in play or if that's been rectified. Did you see a big spike in activity? Yeah. So unfortunately, when that happened, it also went live. Well, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, uh, um, it went live right as our health bank contracts went live. So we we had a spike, but it was it, it's hard to tell if it was because our contracts went live, but also because that. But um, but unfortunately, the baby formula shortage is a huge uh, national tragedy. It's um, it's an indication of what we need to do in today's society to help improve uh, the experience for families across the U.S. and the fact that we're largely ignored. We need more resilient baby feeding systems in the U.S. to prevent this from ever happening again. These are our most vulnerable um, uh, citizens of the U.S., babies, and we need to do so much more to help support them. And so what we've been doing is helping to improve access to care to help uh, families walk through their options during the shortage, but overall. Wow. So, so, so much. It's very interesting. Oftentimes we hear people describe their journey and it doesn't seem quite as linear as yours did. You know, you worked with veterans, you, you worked with bureaucratic organizations. Um, one of the questions that I have is that you look at this, it was, did your personal experience, whether it be good or bad, um, as a young mom or a new mom, did that play in or was the idea already burst before you started on your own journey of trying to feed your own children? Yeah, my personal experience uh, definitely factored in to the founding of Simply Fed. And, and also, I know the story sounds so linear, but one thing I like to share with uh, founders, uh, peer founders in particular, is that holy moly, this journey is hard. And it is um, just incredibly difficult. And it is the honor of a lifetime to get to pursue this. And it's also, you know, you know what Charles Dickens say, the, the best of times and the worst of times, right? It's it's just it's a roller coaster of emotions and and some days are great and some days are hard and 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 especially when you're tackling bureaucratic healthcare systems it can be hard but that's when you know you're really working to redesign the system but in collaboration with the healthcare system but 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 to directly answer your question absolutely my personal experience uh, very much informed i mean I, I had my last starter a year and a half ago and i also have a 4 year old so i have a 4 year old and one and a half year old and um to this this is so personal to me. Like I'm giving up time that I would have normally, I think, had with them a little bit more free time with them. I was a you know full time faculty member at Cornell, which was hard, but also a lot more flexible. Um, but I'm giving up tremendous amount of time with them to pursue this because I just feel so strongly about it. And so it's personal in the sense that it informed our experience, but it's also personal because there is no such thing as work life balance, and there are trade offs. And so. When you're a founder and you're a parent founder, you're always trying to figure out that journey of, of how do you be a good parent, are there for your kids, but also pursue your passions and your professional interests. And, and that can be super windy. And 
I was working on Simply Fed, like literally like I'm going into labor, writing notes. I brought my notepad to me, like to the labor and delivery room because I was thinking of ideas as we're there. And, you know, I'm supposed to be focusing on me and getting an epidural. And here I am like writing notes on my phone. And it just, <laughs> um, like a, a, a crazy person. I was the person asking questions throughout my labor and taking notes um, because I just like, wow, this feels like it could be different and, and trying to form that. But let's also be honest is that I am a privileged white woman who's married to a physician. So my experience is not the same as others. And so that is just one part of the story. And, and despite all that privilege and despite having access to great healthcare, I still found the experience incredibly hard and difficult. And so, um, it, and that goes to showing you that the system is, is just so hard and, and there's so much more that we can do to redesign this pathway. And that's where Simply Fed comes in. I love that story and your appreciation for, uh, for different, different uh, nuances that people are facing. So, you know, something I've come across in practice and I don't have an answer to, but I'm so curious how you manage this on your platform are some of the judgments that are placed on people who, let's say, choose not to nurse. And I don't mean because they have, you know, a medical issue that makes it uh, impossible. Uh, what, how do you manage that? How do you have all, you know, have a lot of lactation consultants and whatnot who probably bring their own culture and value system to the table when it comes to this? What's the mission of the company when it comes to that? Yeah, thanks so much for asking this. And, you know, our, our goal is to really democratize access to these services inclusively. And our providers, like I, we were talking to a patient, she was giving a testimonial to us last week and which, we, by the way, always like my heart just like swarms. And, and by the way, we also want feedback when it's constructive as well. And so if your experience is not good, we need to know about it. Um, and in this case, the, the, the feedback was, was very positive. And she said, you know, it was a part lactation consultant, part therapist, part mom, part friend. And, and the way we navigate what you, what you just asked is that we do a lot of listening. We do a lot of listening up front, starting during pregnancy, um, but also, of course, postpartum to understand what their goals are and what their needs are. And then based on those goals, then we work to design a plan that works for them. And if that is fully breastfeeding, we say, no, breast pump. All right, let's talk about how to do that. If that is, I want to exclusively pump. All right, let's talk about that. If it's, you know what, I, I really want a combo feed. Let's figure out how to make this work. And if it's, I'm trying to transition fully to formula, let's talk about that. And so it starts with understanding the patient's needs and then designing a plan that works for them, but also getting them access to care. That is oh so critical. And in when you can get access to care in an ongoing way, we know that it can move the needle. And, and don't take my word for it, look at the medical literature in this space. And so it's really important that having inclusive care and, it, and it's all about listening to patients' needs. And we really see ourselves as complementing the great work that's happening as part of the existing care delivery pathway. And right now we know, and I, and I know you're an uh, OB and, and, and medicine is, you often are, oh, you have you have five minutes with the patient. So we see ourselves as complementing that in an ongoing way. And we see ourselves as part of their existing care team. And that's also how we ground things as well is because we have those checks and balances with sending back care planes and, and people watching our documentation. So that way, those, those biased opinions that can sometimes sneak in based on our own backgrounds and experiences, there are those checks and balances in place from peers. I love how fast you talk because I think that's how fast we listen. And now I can <laughs> say I'm not the fastest talker um, in the room. So you said something 
early on in the conversation, very casually, you just closed $6 million in funding. We've all read, we've all seen, we've all experienced in this space, many of the challenges that entrepreneurs face, particularly female entrepreneurs. What was the secret? And I know there isn't one, you know, you pull something out of a magic hat and I, and everyone who's done this knows how much of a process it is. But what do you think enabled you to be so successful with Simplified um, while others are still struggling to raise money? Because that's a lot of money. And uh, you said it very casually. And I know that it wasn't a casual effort. Holy moly, there was nothing casual about it yet. It's so a few things. So I, I'm still learning. So I like to be very transparent with people about what it took for me to raise this funding, because I think sometimes there's this narrative out there it, uh, is that, oh, you just go and raise and then you close around in six weeks and you'll be right. Yeah. <laughs> so, for, so for me, I'll, I have all the numbers. I'm an engineer by background. So I've been, I rigorously tracked my process. And I spoke to 140 unique venture capital firms. I then went into due diligence with about 40. And then six entered the round. And so, and the way I was able to track this, just fun tactical tip for any founders out there, use Docsend to share your pitch deck. Also, you can use Docsend to build what's called a data room. If you haven't heard of a data room, it's like where you put all your materials when you're going through due diligence. I didn't know those terms before, so I like to define things along the way. Um, so for me, I started talking with investors um, in like mid to late October, and I really put pedal to the metal, I would say, by like November. And we ended up getting a term sheet in February. And a term sheet is like when an investor says like, hey, I want to date you. Um, and I not the dating analogy, but that's it has the terms of the deal, but it is not like it it is not done. And then and then you enter like almost another period of due diligence with them. And we were doing a priced round. So there was an extra set of legal due diligence, let's say, and we didn't close our round till the first week of May. We ended up having two leads to our round, and we were just so lucky by all the members uh, to have all the members of our syndicate. But um, to your point about journey is then, you know, for me, I have two young kids and it, and I, there's not very much good that has come out of this pandemic. Um, Very, very, very little. But the the one silver lining of this is that I was able to raise that entire round pretty much over Zoom, which for a round of that size is actually quite rare. And I like to share that because, and I like to share this with investors because there is no way that I could have ever raised that round if I wasn't able to do it virtually. And I'm not saying it's a replacement in person is awesome. It is, you know, getting to know people, but there's no way that a mom of two would have ever been able to do that. And so I asked investors out there, if you can be accommodating, you will see more diversity. You will see more diversity if you can make, you know, quote unquote concessions like that. Um, one thing I'm learning and I have no secrets, but what others taught me is write a really tight process. So have built a relationship with everyone. Do your research on firms. Understand what verticals, what are their um, theses. Understand who they've invested in that's complementary to you. And then get introductions from other founders. Um, Of those 140 unique venture capital firms, maybe one or two were cold emails. um, But most were introductions to other people I knew. And that's fortunate. Why, frankly, uh, the rich get richer because you need to have a network and yada, yada, yada. But this is why it's so important to embed yourself in networks as much as possible. And 
look out for people that maybe don't have as thoughtful networks or as rich of networks as you um, and make sure you're building relationships with those firms along the way. Yeah, and so um, much in there. There's so, so much in there. You know, sent out 140. Most of them were relationships, as you described. That is already an enormous benefit. But I would like to say to people who are listening, getting those kinds of numbers and getting 40 firms to do due diligence and then having six um, with term sheets are among the best stats that I've ever heard. And I've been doing this a long time. So even those numbers and the hit rate that you had are extraordinary compared to, I'm sure, many founders that you're friends with um, and many other folks. So in addition to the fact that you did the research, and I 100% agree, know who you're pitching to, know what they care about, make sure that you at least in some way fit into their thesis. What besides your passion and all your research, and I'm not saying those are insignificant, what made this resonate with so many people? Is it that everybody cares about babies? Is it that there was such a huge need? Is it that you had worked in bureaucratic organizations? Is it fill in the blank? Is it all of the above? Yeah, I think there was a couple things. So one, a, a big thing was, is we were about to sign health plan contracts, which coming out of our pre-seed round was pretty um, interesting to a lot of investors. Like we had only raised some pre-seed money, and I'm not saying only because that in itself was a whole process. Whole um, That was a big accomplishment and it took a lot of um, blood, sweat and tears to do that. But we had health plan contracts. Secondly, is that we came across this not so hidden fact, but we, it, but sadly, it was not as well known as that health plans were supposed to be covering these services and work. And, you know, one of the things that one of my mentors taught me in grad school was um, you got to find the piles of money in healthcare. And, and that is unfortunate, by the way. I'm not saying that's right. And this is why value based care is a thing. And, and we're starting to do some value based contracts as well. But if, if you can figure out what payers are supposed to be paying for and they're not in compliance, that's a huge unlock. So, so that was the second thing. And then the third thing I'll, I'll say is that, you know, breastfeeding is women's health and women's health is health. And it is a large TAM or a, a large market size. And all too often we think of, you know, supporting women as philanthropy. Um, but let's be real. Women make 80% of all healthcare decisions. We make 70 to 80% of all economic decisions. And we are half the workforce. And we are doing a disservice to the economic engine of our society. Take gender out of it. If we want to be a thriving society economically, then we have to support women. And we have to support women in the workplace and we have to support women in their health. And so when you look in the market side, like a lot of times people will refer to us as niche. And I won't say a swear word, but it's just like, are you serious? Like we are serving all people born in the U.S. Like that is everyone. Like that is... <laughs> and we're serving their parents. And, and so, and it's a, like multi, 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 multi billion dollar market just on the feeding side. So like stop referring to women's health anything as niche because we are half the population. And by the way, our economic force is powerful as heck. So you better get out of the way and realize that so you can reap the benefit of that. Wow. I think that that is an amazing note to end on with such uh, uh, fiery discussion. Um, what's coming down the pike for Simply Fed? So we aren't uh, sharing it publicly yet, but we're about to announce a national commercial contract. So come follow us on Instagram at Simply Fed Baby. 
come check out our website, simplyfed.com. And if you know someone um, that is pregnant or postpartum, um, technically it is their right under federal law to get access to baby feeding and breastfeeding support services. So um, come check out our website. Um, refer a friend, and we'd be honored to serve them. Um, and stay tuned for some further announcements surrounding national contracts. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for your passion and your energy yeah. and your commitment uh, to making women's lives better, families' lives better. And a little bit of, uh, we are so on board with you. It's not a taboo. It's the world. Um, so kudos to you for from your Perch in Ithaca, New York, making a huge impact on the health of the world. So thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you both so much. Don't forget, subscribe to our podcast at businessofthev.com for the latest trends and trendsetters in women's health and business.